Hello and welcome to Dog Logical. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes from R Plus Dogs, and I'm a training and behavior specialist. Here at the Dog Logical podcast, I aim to get your dog training questions answered. And I hope that this gives you insight into what your dog might be thinking, as well as excellent tips on how to have the best relationship possible with your dog. If you would like to know more about me or work with me, you can find me at rplusdogs.com. Now let's get this podcast started. And we have Beth from Enriching Paws with us today to discuss enrichment. Um, so hi, Beth. Uh, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do, and a little bit about your history. Yeah, so um, I'm Beth. I'm 25 years old, and I live in Devon. Um, and I'm a registered veterinary nurse working here. Um, so I work with animals on a daily basis, um, dogs, but also like other animals, cats, rabbits, guinea pigs, and even exotics. Unfortunately, some of our vets at work deal with snakes, so I deal with lots of things. Um, but yeah, I, I basically that's all I've done since I've left school. I sort of set my heart on um, working with animals, especially from a young age, um, and just wanted to jump straight in with, with working with dogs in particular, because I was never allowed any as a child. Um, we always had cats. And um, so yeah, <laughs> I wanted to work with dogs and um, just jumped at the chance to do something that involves sort of helping them. And veterinary nursing just felt like a really good fit for me. So I did some work experience um, and then got started. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So, um, yeah, that, that's my job. And I just love love dogs at home, at work. They're <laughs> <laughs> just my daily life. That's really interesting because I didn't know, um, just from your profile and things like that, I didn't actually know that you were a veterinary nurse. So that's kind of how I got my start as well. I um, started in rescue. It was a school project and um, they said you have to do some community service. So I was like, I love dogs. I'm going to work with dogs. Um, And then from there, I kind of saw how people, you know, would you drop off their dogs or the things that they would put on the relinquishment kind of papers or speaking to people about, you know, the reasons why they, they kind of had to give up their dogs and medical reasons were one of, you know, one of those kind of top ones. So I thought that's what I want to do. I want to kind of go in, go into, go into veterinary medicine. It's going to be so much fun. Um, And it was, it was an amazing experience, but um, yeah, I think, you know, you kind of, at least for myself, I kind of like was like, oh, what can I do to to make this situation better? And um, that's that's exactly where it led me to. So, oh, that's that's really interesting. I, I definitely did not. Did, so is that how you got involved in enrichment or what kind of, you know, what kind of led you down that path? Yeah. So um, obviously part of my career is sort of always learning new things um to stay up to date um so we do con- continual professional development every year um mm-hmm. and i basically just wanted to get started on some behavior things because i think working with animals on a daily basis and spe- especially in sort of like a stressful environment like the vets um you sort of start to, to see bits of behavior and you want to be able to understand it better um to be able to do your job better i think um and make sure you're providing better care for the animals that you're looking after um so i i did a um, a level three diploma in canine communication and another one in canine behavior and I think it just really sparked something in me that I realized that was something I was really interested in um, and the more I sort of looked at what I was doing and, and implemented it in practice um, and saw the difference it was making to the dogs um, the more I got 
even more engaged in sort of in behavior and, and enrichment and I think they, they go hand in hand really well um, and I've just started my level four diploma in, in um, behavior so I think it, it basically just opened my eyes a little bit to the importance of enrichment and how how much it can help in a veterinary setting and it sounds really silly but you know the stress relieving things that you, you can get from enrichment can be really beneficial to dogs in the vets as well um, and having my own dogs it's benefited them and, and it's made big difference to how I, I train them and and how they get on at home so it just sort of became a bit of something I was interested in and it sort of spiraled into like a, a passion project I guess you could say um, yeah. and that's sort of how I started my Instagram pages I was getting so many comments on what I was posting on my Instagram for my dogs because I just had, you know, your standard dog account where I just posted loads of pictures of my dogs. Um, and I started just showing people what I was doing and people just wanted to see more and they wanted more advice. And I felt like I was getting questions every day. And I thought I, I just want to put it somewhere where people can can see what they need to see and, and get the information they need so that they can get the same benefits from it that I'm getting. Yeah. Um, and so it's been no. it's been really beneficial. I completely agree. I mean, when I, that's kind of how I got my transition from uh, veterinary medicine to, to what I'm doing now is behavior, watching how the animals, you know, sometimes things are, you have a duty of care, obviously. And, yeah. you know, we would try certain things and we would, you know, try to be as accommodating for the the dog, but sometimes you just had to, to do things. And yeah. that was always tough for me. Um, and especially watching things like very sensitive procedures, like euthanasias, you know, trying to make that as, as positive as possible for that dog. Yeah. And, and you know, it's one of those situations where it's kind of your final in, enrichment activity where, you know, what can we do to make this as positive as possible experience for, for this dog and for the people and, you know, the way you handle the dog at that time is completely different than any other time that the dog comes in. And it's almost like a, an outpouring of, um, you know, kind of love and tenderness and, and that sensitivity that comes with it and um, watching dogs in practice and their behavior and especially I think the things that always used to get to me were dogs who either would kennel guard or would just absolutely freak out if you put them into into a kennel and it was yeah. like what, what can we do in this moment while this you know we have to kind of put this dog somewhere what yeah. can we to make this as, as positive for, you know, this dog as possible. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely understand that, that trajectory from going from, from veterinary medicine into behavior, because it's, it's so interesting and you get to see them acting in a, in a different way. Sometimes, you know, with their humans, sometimes without their humans. And it's, I think, yeah, you get, you get to see a, a different side of dogs when you work in veterinary. Yeah, and I think it's really easy like, when you own your own dogs, you know your dogs and you know what your dogs like and, and you know how to read your dogs. Mm. Um, whereas working with other people's dogs, you don't necessarily know what they're trying to tell you all the time. Um, and, and having that sort of background and, and almost a way to sort of communicate with them. So I think enrichment's a really good way to bond with dogs. Um, yeah. and being able to sort of make that connection, especially when you've got like hospitalised patients and things um, and, and getting a better idea for what they're trying to tell you is so important and makes such a difference. And I've, I've really enjoyed seeing that in my career and, and seeing how what the way I approach things maybe has changed. Um, and I think it is benefiting the patients. You know, I've seen it day to day, dogs that maybe were a bit nervous before using food and treats and, 
and different games just building their confidence in the practice makes such a difference mm, yeah and I think how many people have been you know uh, my dog doesn't bite or you know he's fine or things like that and yeah. like his body language is telling me something totally different like yeah I appreciate what you're saying but I you know I have this this knowledge that I'm just we're not going to go there at the moment with you. <laughs> like that's okay I'm I'm okay over here thank you yeah definitely um, yeah it, it totally benefits, totally benefits um but okay so tell us about the animals that you have in in your life now yeah so um I have two dogs I have Harvey who's a Labrador and Hudson who's a bit of a, a mutt he's a mix he's a um Labrador cross border collie cross greyhound cross American Staffy according to oh, his well. DNA test um so he's a bit of a, a random one um but basically Harvey was my first dog um as soon as I qualified as a vet nurse and got my first job I knew I wanted a dog it was it was the thing I sort of worked through my whole college course was once I qualified I'll get a dog I'll get a dog and I'd um I'd set my heart on getting golden retriever because I was just in love with them and it's what I wanted um and working at the vets I work at we work closely with a local rescue um mm. and you know they, they have waiting lists to some extent you know if you've got an interest in a certain dog you can put down your name should anything come in and Basically, they called me and said, we don't have a golden retriever, but we've, we've got a black Labrador retriever. And, you know, did you want to come and meet him? He's just come in. He's always really popular. Do you want to see him? And I just thought, oh, I don't I don't really want a black Labrador. I don't know if, if I even really like Labradors, but I'll go and see him, I guess, because I can just say no. I can just walk away at any time. It's just no obligation. Um, and I walked into the run with him where they let me sort of meet him and introduce me to him. And it was like less than five minutes and I'd fallen in love with this massive black dog. He was yeah. really overweight at the time, um, but he was just so friendly and loving. And I just thought, what the, this is the dog for me. He's definitely coming home with me. Um, so not a golden retriever, but a Labrador retriever. Um, and <laughs> he came home. He was fully trained. You know, I adopted him at seven. So he had really good manners. His owners gave him up for sort of, it sounds silly, but for good reasons. They, they had some problems going on at home, which meant they weren't looking after him properly. And I yeah. think that reflects very much in his behaviours. He's a very well, he's always been a loved dog. Um, and he's always been a very well looked after dog. Um, so I think I was spoiled in that sense that my first dog was so easy. And my introduction to sort of personal dog care was a very gentle one. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've had a very good introduction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he walked off leash perfectly to heal. I've never had to teach him anything. You know, like he's just been an absolute star the whole time I've had him. People always compliment, oh, what a lovely dog you have. Oh, and I always thought, yeah, I, I did none of this. This was none of my effort at all. Um, but I'll I'll just take the glory. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and me and my partner got our own house recently. And we thought, maybe it's the right time to get a puppy. Do you know, you get your new house, you're settling in. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily baby fever, but puppy fever is definitely something I get. Oh, I have that all um, the time. I have um, that constantly. <laughs> yeah. Is there something um, I can get for this? Because I think it's probably like a chronic issue. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And dealing with puppies at work all the time, I was like, I just need a little baby. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get a little black Labrador puppy just like Harv and I'm going to love it and it's going to be great. Um, and in my true fashion, I did not come home with a black Labrador puppy. Um, um, at the beginning of 2020, we had a dog brought in. Um, she was like a little lurcher um, from the rescue centre that had some problems with labour um and unfortunately she passed away after a c-section um to remove the puppies um there was 13 puppies and only seven of them sort of survived the operation oh, wow um, and only five of them then survived the night um obviously she'd had a bit of a difficult past and that's part of what led to the complications with her birth yeah um, 
So there was these five puppies, they were all hand reared at the rescue, but I just felt a real connection with them because I'd been there right from the start. I'd known the mum, you know, I'd, I'd been a part of their introduction to the world and, you know, I kept visiting them, kept checking on them. Oh, are they okay? How are my babies? I kept saying, and they'd always say, oh. <laughs> um, and eventually they were like, why don't you foster one? You know, it'd be a really good opportunity to just see what Harvey thinks of puppies. That's, you, that's where yeah. they get you. They're like, yeah, just, I'll just, just try. Foster it. We've got a great home, you know, working at the vets. It's like, I can get it really used to the vet. I've got a cat, so we can get it used to cats. Like what a perfect home to, to bring a puppy into with a mm-hmm. lot of things to explore. Um, and so I picked this little puppy out that just stood out to us. And I was like, I'll, I'll take this one. I, he seems quite cute and he's quite relaxed and, and chill. Um, and I brought him home and I think probably as soon as we stepped through the door we knew we were never going to take him back again Um, (laughs) he was six weeks old and he was tiny and adorable Um, and then yeah he just never left and I signed his adoption papers at eight weeks and he's just always he's just been my boy ever since and I think knowing him from the second he came out it's a very sort of special bond um, especially with him being a hand-reared puppy he's maybe a challenge at times I think that definitely brings a lot of anxiety along with it mm. um but yeah he's my two dogs I couldn't change them for anything in the world I know everyone says their dogs are the best dogs but I love my dogs more than Nathan and they're definitely the inspiration be- behind my page and sort of my job as well they <laughs> they make me want to keep doing my job because I love them and I see what other people see in their animals and I like being able to make them better yeah did, how did you find the transition between an older dog and, and puppyhood? It was definitely overwhelming. Um, Harvey, being as fat as he was, has really severe arthritis, um, which was common in Labradors anyway. Um, mm-hmm. He was 38 kilos when I adopted him, and he's down wow. to 28 now, and still quite a podgy sort of short Labrador. Um, so that really has played a, a big impact on his joints. Mm-hmm. Um so he has to take exercise really easy. We do things really gently. You know, like a half an hour walk for him is quite a stretch. Um, but in his head, he's still a young dog because he is only just coming up to 11 and he's a Labrador. We've got a puppy. He's very bouncy and thinks everything's still fun. And I think that's a difficult thing with, with dogs is they don't realise that maybe doing a little bit too much can be painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so with him, we started with some enrichment. And I think that's sort of where it first started was to keep him occupied at home Um and especially with doing hydrotherapy every fortnight, he's not allowed walks that day. Um, so he he just needs something to keep his brain going and make him feel like he's doing something, and also just make him feel like like he's achieving something. He being a Labrador, he's a real a people pleaser, and if he thinks that he's being successful with something or he's he's doing the right thing, you know, it really makes him happy. Um, <laughs> so that's how it started for him, and it meant I was used to a very sedate lifestyle. You know, maybe a half an hour walk around the park, laying in his bed all day a few toys you know very chilled older labrador and then bringing home this six-week-old puppy that was just chaotic i mean he definitely missold me when he was in his little crate at the rescue just laid sleeping <laughs> in his bed he just, it was like the minute he came home he just started running around the house jumping on everything and i was like oh my goodness like i, I even turned around people at one point and went i don't understand why people buy puppies like why would you bring this into your house this is chaotic there's there's one thing doing a 10, 15 minute consult at work with a puppy and you give it back, but when it's in your house and it's waking you up at 5am and it yeah. wants to be doing things all the time, <laughs> it's scary and overwhelming. Um, yeah. And I think sort of as an animal professional, I felt like I should just have have myself together and, and know what I was doing, <laughs> but it felt very stressful and I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. 
all those like previous <laughs> confidence conversations I'd had with clients being like, oh yeah, puppies are fine. Yeah. And then within my house and I was like, no, this isn't fine at all. Yeah. <laughs> What's that quote? So, like those who, those who can't do teach. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, bringing him home, I basically just started using some of the stuff maybe I'd used for half before to keep him calm to, um, to help Hudson relax and get used to our lifestyle and the way we do things. I'm not necessarily a morning person. Um, so we started using Kongs and things in the morning just so that I could have five minutes peace and quiet when I woke up because <laughs> from like 5 a.m. he was ready to go, 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 like straight away. And I just found a frozen Kong in the morning and I could have a hot drink and wake up while he was just getting that excess energy out into this Kong. And then he was ready for another snooze and it meant I was getting a nice peaceful morning and my day was starting the right way. Um, yeah. And it just from there really the enrichment is like, well, we've tried Kongs, let's try something else. Let's, let's see what else there is out there. Mm. And it's just blossomed into this complete love of enrichment and, and how much it's helped both of my dogs for completely different reasons. Yeah. I know when Nero, Nero is my older dog and he was, I had a beagle at the time and she was actually a rescue from um, my previous vets when I worked in America and they would work with a, um, a puppy store because in America you have, you have puppy stores and um, she came in and she was actually really ill for the first few months of her life. Um, she spent most of her time like in an incubator and stuff and so I didn't really have that. That was my first adult dog and I didn't have that puppy stage with her. So when yeah. she came to me, she, you know, we had to teach her things. She actually didn't, she was a beagle. She didn't learn to bark until she was about ooh, seven, eight months old. Um, yeah. and, and then she never stopped. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think going from that, that was kind of my first experience with puppy-ish. Um, and then I searched for months and months and months for Nero. There were tons. I, I specifically wanted a lurcher. And I learned, you know, all over and there's so many puppies that I kind of almost had or, you know, the adoption felt I learned so much about um, the adoption kind of process for dogs in the UK, yeah. like so much red tape, so much kind of, um, you know, like secret stuff that you're like, wow, that why does that even matter? Um, but anyway, it's almost like an audition, isn't it? Like you have to almost prove yourself. Well, it wasn't even that. It was like um, I worked with a, an adoption coordinator and they wouldn't dogs in other counties. They wouldn't adopt that dog to me if I was in a different county. And I was like, but what, you know, the my adoption coordinator for my area was saying, like, you know, this person is has worked in veterinary medicine. She's worked in rescue like she, you know, she has a dog at the moment like she, you know, I've interviewed her. She's perfect. This is a perfect home for this dog. And I, I kid you not, there were probably about eight different puppies before Nero that she was like, yep, yep, this, you'd like that puppy. Okay, let's arrange for you to meet the puppy and things would fall through. Or I even mentioned yeah. once to one of the um, adoption people, they were okay with it. So I sent them an email and said, oh, this is great. You know, when I, when you drop him off, could you please supply me with, you know, about a week's food so I can transition him to the new food? And they, they actually blew up on me and said, um, I can't believe that you don't have enough money to feed this dog. And I said, no, no, I'm saying I need to transition him to his new food, but I need some of the food that he's currently on. And they made it yeah. into a thing. And I was like, what the, you know, like, what yeah. is going on here? And they were like, no, they went back to my adopt. It was just, oh, it was a nightmare. Anyway, so fast forward, I found Nero. <laughs> and um, it took months and months. And I remember I was so excited, so excited for him to come. 
And then it all happened in a whirlwind. They actually, he's he was from uh, a home in Wigan. He was uh, with like six other siblings. And, you know, they, they found the dog. The man, unfortunately, had Alzheimer's and put the puppies underneath the, the sink. And somebody came over to visit him and found the puppies. Nobody even knew that his, his dog was pregnant. Um, yeah. He was brought down. So he literally was brought down. And then the lady kind of dropped him off, said, oh, he's, he's peed himself. Uh, you know, he's a bit scared in the car. Dropped him off. And then she was gone within a flash. And then I had this eight-week-old puppy sitting on my couch. And I remember sitting on the coffee table looking at him going, what the F do I do with you? Like, no idea what I'm supposed to do with you. Like everything went out my head and I was just so overwhelmed in that moment. And it was just like, okay, what do we do? Let's, let, let's get you. So, and the first thing I did is like, I got him a Kong. And that was the first thing that I did for him. I just said, okay, well, I figured this out. You can have this. Yeah. <laughs> but all that, everything went out. My head just went blank. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing with a puppy? I've, I've, yeah. As an adult, I have never had a puppy. Um, it's such a, and I mean, he's amazing. I absolutely, Miro's my my heart dog. I love him, love him. And he's been so easy um, to have as a, you know, as a companion. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think when you have that first kind of puppy, puppy experience as an adult, you're a little bit like, or at least I was, and I thought I was ready, but I was yeah, just- Yeah, no, you do all the research and you've got it all in your head. And then it's just like this baptism of fire. It just happens in front of you and you're like, oh, yeah. this is not what I was prepared for. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist as well. So like, for me, it was like, everything has to be done perfectly. He has to have this, he has to have that. Like, um, so it's so much pressure as well, at least it was for me where I was like, everything's going to be golden. Like everything's going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like the puppy's chewing on stuff and running into room. You're like, oh, I have prepared for this. I know I have. <laughs> so no, I completely empathize with your, your your experience from having like an a you know a perfectly trained, mannered a, adult dog to the chaos that is a, a puppy. Yeah, and everyone definitely just assumes you've got it together because you know you're an animal professional. You you yeah. do this is your job, and you're like. Yeah. But it's not in my house. <laughs> no. And I think now, like, because I'm, I'm a bit older now. Um, and I think now I would be, I would have it together. But for some reason, I think just because that was my first puppy as, as an adult, I just, yeah, it, I quickly came, it quickly came together. We got it together very quickly. But I just remember that sheer panic the second that yeah. the lady like closed the door and I was like, here we are. Okay. Hello. Yeah, nice to meet it's you. Just, it's so much pressure because it's this little life and you you yeah. are so responsible for it. And you hear all these stories about, well, this happened to a puppy and then it had this behavioral problem. Yeah. Or, you know, and you feel like it's it's like having a ticking bomb in your house and you're just trying to keep it steady and, and not let anything bad happen. <laughs> and it shouldn't feel that way. You should just be able to enjoy the puppy. But there is just that pure panic of what if I do something wrong and what yeah. if it makes a problem later and you don't want to you don't want to ruin it you don't want to do anything wrong and yeah yeah it definitely took a while it, to get used to it and realize that actually puppies are pretty puppy proof they're, they're pretty yeah. good but I think also when you work in veterinary medicine like you see you know day to day is dealing with people's you know issues medical concerns accident you know all of these things you see day to day consult after consult and you're like all these things could happen, you know. Yeah. Like, You're aware of all the things yeah, and it's kind exactly. of that. You're definitely more blissful to be ignorant. 
Oh, absolutely. I definitely think ignorance is it's been some senses, but I think for me, that was the other thing. I was like, oh, don't do that. Don't do this. Like you can't do this. And oh, that has to be like this. And yeah, now I'm, it's kind of like your first child, I suppose. I don't have any children yet, but you know, you always hear people say like your first child, you're like, everything is this way. And it's very set and, you know, everything together. Um, and definitely, you know, now I view things very, very differently, still cautious, still very, you know, we have kind of restraints and confinements and you know things that we need to be doing but at the same time I'm like ah it's fine <laughs> yeah definitely definitely like you gain your own confidence and you find oh, your own yeah. feet <laughs> um right so how just tell us a little bit about the aim of enriching Paul's like what you know you kind of said about your history with your boys and how that kind of led you to doing more um and so this is just kind of an culmination of, of a resource that you you wanted to kind of bring together for people or? Yeah, I mean, I had a dog Instagram account, um, you know, just for sharing pictures of my dog. Everyone likes to to brag about their dogs. And I was definitely one of those people that just shares pictures of my dogs all the time. Um, <laughs> and especially with Instagram having the stories feature, I, I post a lot of what we were doing because mm-hmm. I think it's really important to me, especially with Hudson being so young, was to to capture all those memories and be able to show him growing up and and have that sort of look back on because it's something in having Harvey as an older dog I really wish I'd known what he looked like as a puppy I really wish I'd seen what he did as a puppy and to see how he sort of turned out if that makes sense absolutely um, yeah so I was kind of capturing everything trying to get all these pictures and I I started showing videos of him prepping the Kongs and things you know I was, I was giving him a Kong at least every day um so I was doing like a week's prep in advance because I, I was still working at the time and people started asking me questions like, oh, that's a really good idea to do that. And and how do you do that? And what do you use? And I was only finding my feet myself because I was learning what he liked and um, doing my own research to find what ingredients were sort of safe, other tips and tricks mm-hmm. from other people. And it felt like on a daily basis, I was getting messages of just replying to my stories. Um, and then I started a story highlights. People like, oh, can you save this so I can see it again in the future? I want to look back later. Or, what do you recommend for this and that? And I thought, I was getting so many questions. I just thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just put this all in one place? Um, so, you know, people can still definitely ask me questions, but that they could find what they needed if I wasn't necessarily online. Um, yeah. You know, what is the best thing to put in a Kong? What what other toys can I buy? What is a licky mat? You know, um, mm-hmm. so I started an enriching cause as sort of just a way to, to share all of my ideas and also just just have a nice sort of outlet it's very creative and I've always been a very creative person um I mean before I went into veterinary medicine I did all of my GCSEs in sort of photography and graphic design and things like that so um I don't if you look at my page you might find it's very I try to make it pretty Um, it's aesthetically pleasing (laughs) yeah definitely and it was just a nice relaxing way especially in in the job that I do you'll probably appreciate that it can be really stressful and and you deal with things sometimes that can be really hard um yeah uh, working long shifts working weekends and you just want to feel like when you spend a lot of time away from your dog because I can do 24-hour shifts sometimes and I I feel like that's neglected my dogs I'm not you know they are looked after Mm -hmm. um but there's sort of that guilt that I'm away from them quite frequently and Mm -hmm. um the enrichment kind of gives me a way to sort of give something back to them and and spoil them a little bit with, with things I know they'll enjoy um so it was just a way to to you know give me a, a stress outlet because I enjoy designing the things I enjoy 
making hearts out of carrots and um, <laughs> making a licking mat look like a mushroom. Like I, you know, it's it's fun for me. The dogs enjoy it, and it just feels like a little bit of um, a t- bit of TLC to my dogs. You know, you see mm-hmm. parents that do all the the lunch box making, you know, bento boxes for their kids, and and to me that's what my enrichment is. It's my special little treat to my dogs that relaxes me and makes me feel like I kind of have my life together because look I prepared a week's worth of food for my dogs I'm doing great I'm just doing fine um so enriching pause is is proof that I've got my things together um a way to educate other people um which is something I'm passionate about anyway that that's sort of why I became a vet nurse I love my nurse consults I love being able to help people and when people come back to you and go oh I, I tried that thing that you suggested and it's made such a difference or I gave my dog his first Kong and he loved it and he went to sleep mm. after and I got to have five minutes peace or I got to do the washing or you know it's all things that I got from enrichment that I just want to share with other people um and at the same time it's it's a stress relief for me it's it's relaxing it, it's aesthetically pre- pleasing it's it's just it's a nice outlet and I, I really enjoy it basically yeah no I I completely agree I think um you've you've interesting that you kind of made that connection between the bento boxes and the enrichment because I've never actually thought about that and how we do it is a form of caring when we do that extra little those extra little steps and it's like that I'm creating this thing for you and this is such a fun cute you know I put this extra effort in and then to give that to your dog and watch them enjoy that it's such a special connection, such a special kind of, you know, engagement and exchange between the two of you. So yeah, yeah, I never actually, it just, as soon as you said the bento dogs, my brain just went bing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they definitely don't care what's on it. And people joke all the time, oh, like, yeah. you spend so much time on it. Your dog doesn't know that you've made a turkey on top of their Christmas dog topple. Like, yeah. but it's, it's just the thought, it makes me feel good it makes me feel like I'm getting them in, you know, I'm, I'm doing something for them. And, you know, it doesn't hurt anyone. Me putting a bit of extra effort into decorating my prongs or putting a bit of a flare on a licking mat, it's not hurting anyone. It's it's relaxing me. And at the end of the day, it tastes great. So my dogs are happy. So yeah. that's the main thing. Like I personally am, um, I'm not, I, I can't cook. Like I cannot cook. When I was single, I would literally like tuna out of a can with a little bit of like mayonnaise on the top <laughs> or like something that I can microwave or something that I can make really easily. But when it comes to the dog's food, I am like, I'm like Gordon Ramsay. Like I'm just like <laughs> things and I'm like adding sprigs and, you know, it's just, it's such an experience for me that I don't have when I make like human food. I was saying with other people, I mean, I commend people who are human nurses because there's a lot of things that I've done for dogs working in veterinary, which if I had to do that for a human, I would not do that for a human. (laughs) It's the same. It's kind of just, you know, enrichment or, you know, activities around food and stuff for dogs. I'm like, yeah, let's make this amazing. And when it comes to my own food or even food, sometimes my boyfriend's a chef. So, um, you know, we, I'm lucky in that regard that he, he kind of takes over, but sometimes he'll be like, oh, I wish you could, you know, make food for me, or you could, you know, maybe you make dinner. And I'm like, nobody wants me to make dinner, but the dogs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) no I, I I'm definitely the same way like and you you said earlier about people saying about it being your firstborn yeah. one of the vets that work constantly jokes because she's like when I had my first child I was all about organic foods and making my own stuff and she's like when I watch <laughs> you pureeing apples 
and boiling carrots and mashing it. She's like, I see myself with my first child being adamant they were going to have the most organic and most healthy food and I was going to do it all from home. She's like, that's exactly you. This is your firstborn child and you're just being crazy <laughs> about it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe I am, but I don't, I'm not even mad about it. Like I'm, I'm happy. He's happy. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> Oh, the dogs eat in this house, the dogs, um, they eat so much better than us. Like they eat only things that are, yeah, like organic or um, human grade or like, you know, Nero in the, they're raw fed and Nero in the winter time. I warm, you know, add a bit of hot water to to his kind of, and you know, raw feeding because he doesn't like it cold in the winter. So there's, you know, there's these, these steps like one dog doesn't like this thing. So you have to put that in this thing, or I have to, you know, mash up their, their blueberry because he won't eat it whole. You know, there's a, there's a process. Um, yeah, definitely. And if people look in my trolley at the shops, they probably think Gee, she's really healthy with her blueberries <laughs> and her raspberries. Like she must eat so much fruit. And there's me like shoveling a bag of crisps down my throat at work while the dogs have <laughs> all the fruit and vegetables perfectly cut and prepared. You know, I mean, on my account, I've got carrots cut into stars. I've got special cuts for vegetables, <laughs> but I don't have time to make that for myself. No, I'll just have a no. chocolate biscuit in a couple. There's no time. <laughs> There's no time for you. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you kind of you kind of touched on it anyway. But I mean, why is enrichment important to you? Like, what kind of you know when you think about in uh, the enrichment factor, what is it that draws you necessarily to it? I think the biggest thing was. For, for Harvey, it gives him a sense of achievement because he feels like he's doing something well and he's completed a task. Um, mm -hmm. You know, being a Labrador, he, he's a people pleaser. He just wants to do everything right. And when you give him like a little game or you give him like a Kong wobbler and he gets it all out, he just looks at you after like, look, I, I did it. Did you see what I did? And he's just so <laughs> proud of himself. And he can't get out about as much as he can't be used to. And I like being able to still provide him with something to do. It, it feels like I'm still helping him. Um, mm -hmm anyone that's watched their dog age knows the sort of that feeling where you're just you're just watching them get older and watching them get more frail and you just want to do anything to help and yeah. if I can make him feel clever and like a good boy because I, I put his kibble in a box and he managed to get it out then I'll do that every day if I have to do you know um yeah. and, and for Hudson it's just that it helped us bond because I was putting the effort into his food he was enjoying it um and it meant he was calmer in the mornings you know I could I could get my head in the game while he just had a frozen Kong. So I was in a better place to be with him because when he was really young, you know, when you're waking up at 5 a.m. because your puppy's crying, it's so hard to not come downstairs and be not angry, but be in a bad mood already. And you get the puppy out and the puppy just wants to play with you. And you're just like, I'm tired and I'm fed up, you know? And mm. it, it's stressful. I think a lot of puppy parents will say that they, they've cried at some point because you're just like, what have I done to myself? This is horrible. Um, <laughs> And being able to give him the frozen toy and just have some peace and quiet and sit with him in a really relaxed manner and bring that like relaxed state to the house. I wasn't having the enrichment, but I was feeling more relaxed because of it, because we were all just calm. Everyone was relaxed. And um, I I don't know how I would have survived puppiness without it. <laughs> it's the main thing. Um, Praise enrichment. It, it, yeah, it just brought such a like, the mornings in my household went from crazy barking puppy, you know, ripping my dressing gown off, trying to pull my slippers, running around the house, yapping at his bowl, you know, whatever he could try and get his paws on, he was getting his paws on, to I'd come down, he got out of his crate quite quietly because he knew it was time to settle down with his little frozen meal, and he would just sit and eat that, I'd have a hot drink, and everything was calm, and that's 
that got him into that morning routine and that's what he expected from mornings and that chaos just just went away like mornings in our house aren't chaotic because the dogs have been brought up to expect that you know they expect yeah. our mornings to sort of just flow and, and we get food done and everything just goes the way it should and it makes such a difference to your day um and I think being able to share that with other people and get them doing the same thing it can really it sounds a bit dramatic say change your life but it, it can just really get you in the right place to have a successful relationship with your dog and just feel good about it no absolutely I mean I tried to get all of my puppy clients to to not feed out of bowls to think about how can I deliver this even in the simple you know even in the simplest form like you have your coffee and you know if your dog has has kibble or dry food you sprinkle that if if it's you know not not wet outside or you get a snuffle mat for those times where it is wet outside and you sprinkle it on that or you know you get the the prepared something or a licky mat or you know think of ways that you can help your dog to engage in an activity while you are just kind of waking up and and able to start with the day I mean some people are on it like uh, when I'm up generally I'm a morning person I get up and I'm ready and let's you know let's go out or we're going to take the dogs out or we're going to do something I'm going to get started at work but you know for some people you know as you can (laughs) as you can understand like mornings you need you need that time and if you don't have that time it can set things a little off and if that happens to be your dog that sets that a little bit off that impacts your relationship so yeah um, especially like getting ready for work and things like yeah you when you've got a young puppy it's so hard to balance watching that they're not getting themselves into trouble or hurting themselves or anything like that and that stress on top of trying to get yourself ready for work it just it's not a good combination it, it's gonna end negatively because you're gonna just feel overwhelmed and stressed and it, it impacts even if you're not, you know, you have to be shouting at your dog, but even if you're just using a certain tone with them, they they get that and they sense that and it, it just all has a knock-on effect, I think. Yeah, it's no, it doesn't do anyone any good. I mean, that's how we kind of start our day. So I, the other dog that I have is my working line German Shepherd and he is, he is hydra. I've had a German Shepherd when I was younger. They are like, they're like two different species. Like, yeah. Lichen is like a whole nother experience for me professionally and personally. I have never, I've never had a dog and I've never really encountered a dog like him. Um, But for us, the morning time is there is a sense of calm. You know, when I have my coffee in the morning, he's having some, he's having some calm activity and then we start our day. Um, And there were times in, you know, when we first were, because I got him when he was about nine months old um, and he had been left to kind of do whatever he wanted to do um so for him in the morning was like yeah let's go let's do this let's grab this let's you know and he was he was already the adult size so for us especially implementing just that just five ten minutes of a calm activity it changes our whole mornings completely and he starts when he comes off because he usually has he goes to his his kind of bed and he has an activity usually a chew and then when he comes off of that bed after you know that five ten minutes of enjoying that chew and, and being stationary that sets the tone for the day like he is calmer and it sounds silly because you would think like you know oh it's the dog and he's getting up and he has lots of energy and you've only made him lay down for for 10 minutes but it just it almost like resets him and he goes yeah. Oh, morning. Okay, what are we doing now? <laughs> yeah, I think it just puts their brain engaged, you know, like, if, yeah. instead of being like a manic, I'm awake, and oh my goodness, there's so many possibilities. It's like a, 
let's think about how to get this out and let's think about how I'm going to get this food. And it's like it just gets their brain to settle down and go, let's think about what we're doing rather than just acting impulsively because we're awake. Yeah, no, completely, completely agree. And yeah, I mean, if like I said, if I can get my puppy clients to just even if they just feed one or two meals, you know, because you have like the three, four meals in the start and then you're crying, you know, cutting them down a little bit. Just one meal, just watch how that impacts that dog. Just show, yeah. you know, show them one kind of scenario. And I often get like, you know, oh, he was he was much calmer or, you know, he was, uh, wasn't biting at this or he wasn't barking at that. And it's like, yeah, because you've actually engaged his little brain to doing something else. So that behavior yeah. that he used to do, he doesn't need to do that behavior because you've replaced it with something else. And it's yeah. gonna be a positive effect on him rather than, you know, puppies barking, whatever, we're going to put him in his crate or his pen. Like, what what does that serve? That doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't, you know, do anything with any of that energy. But yeah, I'm always, I mean, even my, I work with a lot of kind of reactive dogs or dogs that have, have fear-based issues. And for me, enrichment is such a confidence booster, like you were saying with, you know, with your older dog. And, and, and people are amazed even on how, how much enrichment, just providing a food kind of puzzle or some kind of task to find food, how much it improves their dog's confidence and even their independence and, you know, stuff like that. It's like almost like the simplest thing you could do. And it has such a huge benefit for your dog. Yeah, no, it really does. It, like you said, it impacts other areas of their behavior and, and just generally their life. Like a lot of people will compliment Hudson on how well he's like, you know confident and he just he'll walk into a situation and doesn't really have any hesitation and he it, even in sort of like noise reactivity and things like that he's just way more like willing to be like cool you know, he's optimistic almost because good things happen and he maybe sometimes does face loud things because i'll put his food in a bottle but it always means good things you know a rattly bottle means food and i think that that helps with other other problems that people get is just that optimism and expecting a better outcome because you know you've faced scary things before you you've had a rolling bottle you've had to move boxes and, and shuffle through paper and nothing scary happened it might seem scary I mean we've got a ball pit um that I got off of Facebook marketplace and it's one of his favorite <laughs> things and for some dogs shoving their head in a load of plastic balls that are all making noise they'd be like oh my goodness no that's terrifying yeah. but Hudson will dive right in there and he just doesn't have, you can introduce him to a new thing and just doesn't show hesitation because he's used to new things all the time because we're always doing new games or new toys or, you know, recycling something, a cardboard box, plastic balls, whatever. And I think, it, you know, it just makes him optimistic. He, he's confident that, you know, new things aren't scary because that's what he gets all the time. Yeah. No, definitely that engagement factor is so important. Like people, a lot of times they go, the go-to is the Kong, obviously. And we have yeah. tons of Kongs. We love Kongs. But I'll often say to people, you know, if you see another, like I call them vessel feeders, but like if you see another vessel feeder and, you know, who cares what, what shape it is necessarily, I would get it. Especially if it's a different shape to a Kong because your dog has to figure out, how do I get this food out? This doesn't work the same way as a Kong. Yeah can't maneuver this the same way it doesn't it may not be as squidgy it may not bounce as much you know it may bounce in a different way it may make a different noise altogether um you know plastic is totally different from rubber and you know crunchy things like all these kind of experiences come with different types of toys um 
So like we have, we have Kongs, we have tons of Kongs, but we also have so many different other shapes and they have to maneuver these in different ways. So I think a lot, I love Kongs, but I think a lot of times people just, they go to the faulty of the Kong. The Kong is what we use. And it's like, but there's so many different ones that you can, you can get and you can utilize for the dog. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm really glad that Enriching Paws are sort of out for me is because I wanted to make new content and the more I put out things, the more I wanted to do something new. And I was like, oh, what else can I do to make this different? What what else can I do that's gonna look different and look look you know better or fit a theme? And it means I'm looking for things all the time. And I now have a whole cart in our kitchen. Like people come to my house and they're like, Oh my goodness, how many dogs do you have? And I'm like, just two. And they're like, why do you have a whole trolley of dog toys in your kitchen? I'm like, they're all just they ridiculous. They would die things, if they you know? saw my house. My house is like yeah. a pet shop. <laughs> so like, that, that, you know, that we've got a whole row of different kibble feeders, but they're all different. And my partner's like, oh, but we've got 10 kibble feeders. How many do you need? I'm like, they're all different. And we use them every day. Like, similar to you, um, Harv does have a bowl because um, he's on a lot of medication and supplements. So to some extent, we need a bowl for that. Mm-hmm. So he always has his breakfast in a bowl. Um, but oh, yeah, we use a bowl. bowl. We like, yeah. if the had like a heavy inactivity day. So like we do a lot of like decompression walks. If they've yeah. had a really, I say long, but it, that could be an hour. <laughs> if they had a really yeah. long enrichment, um, if they've had like that, then I don't then make them work for their food. Like I, yeah. will, I will definitely get food in a bowl, but I think it's, you know, the bowl is just kind of the thing that I try to get people to think outside of. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, for Hudson, he doesn't have a bowl people might think that's a bit mean um but he's a real gobbler like especially with the labrador in him mm. he inhales food like a hoover um and i just find that for him maybe because he's got the collie in him as well you know he's very bright um that even a slow feeder doesn't really slow him down because he just learns how it works yeah um, so i have all of our food um well all of his food weighed out because because we feed him kibble um mm. just because it suits our, our lifestyle a bit better and yeah. I have it just weighed out and it means that all I have to do is grab the pot and either shove it in an enrichment toy, scatter it on the floor, or even just um, sometimes after work, I really like just just sitting with him and bonding with him by doing some training, like learning some tricks. Yeah. And he loves that. And I've had people before go, oh my goodness, you're so cruel. Like, why would you make him work? Like, why would you do that? Why would you make him have to work for his food? But I've scattered some kibble on the floor before while I try and fill up one of his like balls. He loves like his snuffle ball or um the Kong wobbler you know like I just scatter a bit on the floor so I can fill it and he'll ignore the food on the floor and just sit by my foot waiting (laughs) for the toy because that's what he wants like he doesn't want the easy option he wants he wants the game and he wants the chase and he wants the play um and so yeah when people are like oh my god you're so mean for doing that I'm like no it's what like he if you give him a bowl he'll wait he'll be like okay and where's my toy (laughs) you know like I'm waiting for the fun bit now that's how um if i ever have to give medication like to the dogs that's generally i condition them so what we'll do is we'll play catch so i will throw them little bits of food and it's usually like soft type foods so whenever they've had to have pills or something um you know we play catch and they'll just take i'll stuff it in something like a little bit of pate or a little bit of cheese and it's like boom catch 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 and they just take their pills because that's you know that engagement aspect for them is something that is is fun. It gives them the motor skills and, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> they get some high value food as well, but it just makes things like pill giving so much easier. Yeah. And it all just leads to stress-free dog yeah. ownership, which I think everyone is looking for. 
Yeah. Oh, completely. Um, so do you have any like go-to toys that you really, you really like and why do you like those toys? Yeah. I think um, the thing with having Harvey and Hudson is they're so different. And so I know what they like. Um, Harvey, he, he doesn't like to do anything too challenging. So like he enjoys the game, but he wants to succeed at it. And mm -hmm. he can sometimes struggle with anything that's too complicated or has like too small of a hole. He'll just give up. Um, I think that's really important in enrichment is to understand your dog's limitations. Like Harvey is older, but it's not something he's been brought up doing. Um, yeah. And so he doesn't have the same level of like willing to try as Hudson, who's always been offered these things. Um, so for Harvey, like his favorite thing is like a licky wobble bowl. So the, the bowl licky mats, um, mm -hmm. I can fit his whole meal in there and he'll quite happily sit on his bed for like up to 45 minutes. Like, and he'll just lovingly lick his licky bowl <laughs> he just loves it like frozen or or not frozen because he's on cold press so his food really goes into a paste really nicely yeah um, and and that's really relaxing for him and especially dogs with arthritis is so prone to licking of their joints because it's a soothing activity but yeah. um having an outlet like that like the licky products for him it prevents him licking his joints and i see so many dogs that get like hair discoloration or even hair loss along their joints because they're you know they're uncomfortable and, and they're licking them just out of habit yeah. and how have that because he just has this outlet for the licking and and I, the licky mat and all of the licky products are definitely something that we love because of that and the licky bowls if he's maybe feeling a bit uncomfortable it takes his mind off any discomfort that he's in because he's got spondylosis and things like that you know he's going to get flare-ups that's unfortunately the the downside of arthritis is some days he's doing great and other days he's maybe not doing so well but it's <laughs> such a you know like a it takes his mind off of what's going on and it gives him an outlet for that sort of soothing behavior yeah so i'd say that's probably harvey's favorite is the licky mat wobble um mm. whereas hudson likes something that's a bit more challenging and engaging he'll like he'll finish something and look at you like well that was easy that was, that was really good. <laughs> um but he really likes to shred and destroy you know like all that puppy behavior um so something like the holy roller with yes. some cardboard and some fleece scraps like he loves anything DIY that mm -hmm. he can pull apart because that's just that's just what gets him excited. So um, a lot of the time I'll just shove his kibble in something like that or a cardboard box stuffed with paper and toys that he can just rip up. And it's messy, don't get me wrong, but he really enjoys it. And I can safely say I've got a puppy that's never chewed anything in my house because he knows that the things he chews are the things he's offered and, and he has enough of an outlet for it. Yeah. Um, and you always see people on Facebook like, oh, look at my dog ate my sofa. My dog chewed this. <laughs> and we were just so lucky to avoid all that with him because he gets his boxes and he gets his holy roller and he pulls all the fleece out of it. And he just, he seems satisfied afterwards. He goes back to his bed like, that was a job well done. I have caused chaos, but <laughs> I did it successfully and I've had my food and I'm happy. So yeah, definitely anything that he can shred, anything recycled, plastic bottles, like that's, that's his go-to. Yeah. It's so interesting. I usually spin that to people as enrichment for your dog and then enrichment for you when you get to pick up all the little bits. <laughs> it's I've become an expert at picking car like cardboard off the floor. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, completely. It's it's funny because I, I do like post some stuff um, this month, this January month has been all about enrichment. So we've been focusing on trying to, to stick to, to that. And um I think, yeah, Richmond is such a, such a great thing, but it's not like a, a blanket term. Like, you know, you could, like I said, the Kongs, 
But even what I put in the, and when I say Kongs, I forgot I'm saying Kong Classic because there's so many, so many Kongs. Yeah. But um, yeah, for the Kong Classics, like even my dogs, they they get different things inside of them. Like they get, you know, they get the same toy, but what's inside is what's the the good part. But like yeah. Nero and Lycan are very similar um, to what you're describing in the dynamic in your house because Nero does not like destroying things. I've yeah. tried lots of times to get him to, you know, deconstruct boxes or even plastic bottles. Like he's very much, he likes using his four paws for things. So yeah. even when he has a, like a, a con classic, he'll use his paw, he'll chew it a little bit and he'll drop it. But you see him all the time, like batting it with his paws. And, but he just, it's almost like he feels like it's very impolite to destroy something. <laughs> you can see yeah. this for me. I don't think so. Like I don't yeah. I don't want to do this and no, that's definitely like half like he can almost become nervous around activities like that like mm. um i i don't know how he was brought up obviously and i don't know how he's trained in the past but yeah. definitely involves destroying he gets anxious you can see he's anxious about it because he, he's giving you the sort of side eye of like am i okay am i allowed to do this oh i don't mm. feel comfortable and i think that's something that sometimes gets a bit overlooked in enrichment is just because it's what one dog enjoys yes. doesn't mean all dogs enjoy it like half definitely wouldn't enjoy anything like that he would never dream of shredding a cardboard box in his life like no he yeah. wants something that's very easy and laid out which you know the licking mat products it's just laid there he just has to lick it whereas yeah. Hudson sort of does that and he's like cool what next <laughs> yeah on to the next one yeah that's the same with Lycan Lycan loves destroying things like loves loves the you know kind of we call it deconstruction where he either deconstructs ball um, boxes like cardboard boxes or I buy secondhand like um toys yeah. And just he loves secondhand toys or even I've started um, when the charity shops were open, I went and got those kind of faux hats that are fur, um, faux fur hats, not faux hats. <laughs> fur, <laughs> faux hats. Um, and I started putting like different scents on them or putting food inside of them and then putting them inside a box and then maybe putting them inside another box. And he would just go crazy for that kind of stuff because it's like. He just loved ripping up things and disemboweling them. You know, he does the, the classic kind of standing on it and then ripping it with his mouth. And yeah. he just, oh, he just loves that kind of stuff. Whereas Nero wouldn't dream of doing that. <laughs> like yeah. he is grabbing something and throwing it across the room. But he, you know, he's, he's almost never chewed anything up either as yeah. a puppy and, you know, he did actually that's not true he did trip my my ipod once but it was in a uh, it was in one of those otter box covers thank goodness but yeah it, it, with him it's just totally different like when lichen arrived with us the first week and this is obviously it's my fault but the first week he kind of he chewed up a little bit of the carpet and he chewed up a little bit of the wood in the room that he's in yeah and I touch wood like we touch wood um we have not had that was you know that first week was just a learning curve for me and I was like okay yeah. that's okay you know you're you, this is what you like let's give you more of what you like and we have not had any any issues going forward he's not chewed anything he's not supposed to he's not ruined anything he's not supposed to he just he gets that outlet for his behavior and he doesn't look to find it in other areas and yeah. like when you have a dog especially a, a client who's saying to you you know that they're chewing things up and that sometimes in in the veterinary world that can be a dangerous thing you know if they're going to chew and ingest something 
Um, but then we have the, uh, the opposite side where it's like, you don't want to reinforce a, a resource guarding activity. So like running up to the dog and what are you doing and, and grabbing that off them and stuff. But it's like, you can solve both of those problems by giving a chewer appropriate things to chew on. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's like, made such a difference to us. Like it, it just sort of sets boundaries because he knows that what he's offered he can have and, and yeah. what he's not offered isn't for him and yeah like he's, he's happy because he knows well I'll probably get offered something later so it's fine do you know like he's it's not a case of oh I never know when I'm going to get this opportunity again because we do it regularly so it, it's mm. all part of his daily activities like yeah. so he knows he's going to get a chance another time and also like I try to tell people especially when you have chew items like our chew items aren't down all the time I have a box of things that are our chew items and we rotate through them. Like we might have, and they usually get, you know, it's it's mostly lichen that gets chewed stuff, but we'll have three. And if there's a favorite of that time that comes out, that's part of the three, but I don't just give him one thing and be like, here you go, buddy. Because for him, if he doesn't want to chew that, then he's susceptible to be chewing things that he wants to chew, which may not be things that I want him to chew. So choice is a big part of that you know having the availability but also making it interesting you know if it's yeah. something that's out all the time is some old bone bone that's just sitting around the dog may chew it occasionally but it's not that engaging but you know no, leave it, novelty of the item isn't it <laughs> yeah leave it up for a few days bring it back out and it, the dog's like oh my god oh my god this is the best thing ever like where did this come yeah. from it's like been in the bin the whole time <laughs> yeah no we got that a lot over christmas because um we've got like christmas dog toys and i'm just one of those people that like prefers to put them away after christmas yeah so um at christmas all of their normal dog toys went into the box and all of their christmas ones came out and then when jerry came around and we, we put all of their old toys back out they acted like they were all brand new again and i was like mm -hmm. guys you, you you know all of these toys but yeah. they were new and they were different and it became exciting again and it was you know that in itself is an enrichment because you've just changed up what they they've had and, and you've given them something new and it doesn't have to cost you anything you just have to you know a lot of dogs are spoiled and have a lot of toys i'm guilty of it myself um and just you know taking them away for a little bit and then bringing them out and the dogs don't realize they're not new they just see it as oh i haven't seen this in forever like yeah and get really excited about it now ro rotating stuff i think is is such a great a great option especially if your dogs who chew because you just yeah. like i said you just renew that they're like oh my god this chew again like stuff gets boring just like it gets boring for us i mean if something's yeah. overly available to you you not that dogs take it for granted but you're just like that old thing like maybe later i don't i don't yeah. think i'm into it right now it's like wearing the same clothes every day like you get bored you like to swap it, swap it out and when you find that item of clothing at the back of your wardrobe you haven't seen in a while you're like oh i love it <laughs> but it means that <laughs> <have> you <laughs> so your dogs those are kind of their favorite enrichment activities do you do anything that is kind of i haven't seen too much of it except for the training aspect but what are their kind of go-to activities that they they like doing outside of food-based ones so um with harv um when before we had hudson I'd always really wanted to do dog training classes, but obviously he was ready to go um, and didn't really need like formal training classes. And he couldn't do agility because uh, he uh, he can hardly walk, let alone run around and do this course. Um, yeah. So we did scent training with him. Um, yeah, and that, so good. 
yeah and it's really helped outside you know we only did like one block of classes I think it was like six classes just locally um but the skills that they taught us we've been able to put into so many different games because he would like he would play fetch until he collapsed if he could and he just can't do that like his joints can't do that but he's not aware of that and you know he wants to play with his ball um but from the scent classes we've been able to teach him skills like you know go find it look for it and, and sort of scent seeking um mm-hmm. and we can take that out and about with us so sometimes i send my partner off to hide a ball and then we tell him to go find it and that sort of more relaxed and gentle movement is so much better for his joints than him just chasing aimlessly after a ball and it's engaging his brain and we might have yes. only walked 10 minutes down the road to the field but for him he feels like he's done a massive day out because he's gone looking for his ball and he's got excited and he's found it and he's made his owners you know happy because he found the ball and he's such a good dog and that's that for him is one of his favorite things is is sort of like scent work and and sniffing out um we did a lot of work around sort of clothes um that's the scent that we use so mm-hmm. um just doing sort of like scent training on with um like cones on the floor and things like that um it's always something that he he really enjoys so um yeah I'd say that's probably half's favorite non-food activity although as a Labrador everything food related is is the best <laughs> I'm like so in love with Harvey like just hearing about him and like, it's just oh, oh he's, he's definitely so like my spirit animal because oh. I'm lazy love food and would rather be in bed all day as well <laughs> um we actually, but yes we say like Nero's more like Scott my my partner and I'm more like Lycan because I'm I'm slightly annoying sometimes like um <laughs> if I if I have my mind set on something I'm like right we're doing it let's do it and I'm like come on come on come on and that's very much how how Lycan is yeah he's just like we're doing it we're excited and we're gonna do it now <laughs> it's like calm yeah down. no Harv is like very easygoing and I always tell people that like he's he's not a dog dog he's a people dog yeah. You know, if you take him for a walk, he doesn't want to speak to other dogs. He doesn't want to <laughs> even socialize with other dogs. Like, that's not his thing. How, why would he on earth want to make friends with another dog? Like, he loves Hudson, but that's different. He has to. He doesn't really get a choice. Um, but, like, Hudson Hudson goes to daycare um, probably four or five times a month just because me and my partner work shifts. Um, and to Hudson, that's the best day out. And, like, as soon as we're on daycare's, like, road, he's, like, screaming in the back of the car, can't wait to get out, runs to the lady's door. Um, but I've always told her, I'm like, I leave my other dog at home for the day because he would probably try and jump out the window if I tried to take him to a, ho- a house that's full of dogs. Like mm. he, he, that's not for him. So he stays at home. I pop back on my lunch to check on him. Whereas for Hudson, spending a day with other dogs and going to the field and running around, that's, that is heaven on earth for him. Mm. And he loves it. And, you know, it's just, they're such different personalities and they need such different things but somehow they go together and somehow they make a great pair. Yeah. I think as well, it's good for dogs to have separate time, especially dogs that live in the same, well, dogs that live in the same household. It's good for them to have separate time. Like yeah. when I, when I took on Lycan, I, I, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people just think, and I had two dogs before, like um, my previous dog, Elfie the Beagle did almost everything with Nero and Nero loved being with her. And, um, I think at the time I just thought like, you know, there were things that they did separately because Elfie wouldn't run. She was, she was not a runner. Like I really wanted a dog that would chase a ball. Um, so when Nero came along, I was like, right, I'm going to teach him how to play fetch and it's going to be great. And like, then I <laughs> created like my own worst monster because he <laughs> just wanted to play fetch and was obsessed with balls. And then I had to 
modify his behavior so that he wasn't so obsessed with balls. But I think, yeah, with, with Lycan kind of, when he came along, I had to think, you know, how do I provide the needs for both of these dogs? Because Nero loves relaxing. He loves sleeping. He loves lounging. He loves the fire. He loves massages. Like he is just, he's such a sedate dog most of the time unless he's out whereas lichen is that go 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 like he you know for him especially in the beginning it was kind of finding ways to relax him so that he meshed well with with nero but yeah it was double the work for me because i was taking both dogs out together and then i needed to take each dog individually out to make sure that their their individual needs were met so I think sometimes we think like, oh, we get a second dog and it's like, oh, it's going to be great. Like we'll take the dogs out. And I think sometimes people, I say to people all the time, like it's, you know, think of your, your second dog is like a roommate, not a brother, yeah. not a sister, you know, not, it's a roommate. Like somebody's moved in with you and you haven't consented to that, that person moving in. They just show up one day and they never leave. <laughs> yeah, no, Harvey definitely didn't consent to getting a puppy. He was quite distressed at first. Oh. But, um, no, like definitely taking time with him separately. Yeah. Um, because especially with like a, a household like mine where there's such different ages, you know, um, Harv's 11 this year. Hudson's mm -hmm. just turned one. That's like two completely different levels of exercise yes. tolerance yeah um, and the, one of my favorite things is going and hiring the local like enclosed field because mm -hmm. Hudson's a boy who you know he's still entire so sometimes he just gets those urges of maybe I won't listen to my owner anymore because she's boring sometimes um so <laughs> going somewhere that's enclosed it's just a bit easier sometimes yeah um it and it means that I can pull my car you in. in for him yeah and I, I can bring my car into the field it means that after half an hour I can put half back in the car to rest and I can still continue with Hudson, yeah. um, but I've both got them out at the same time and it feels like two jobs in one almost. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Harv can have a bit of scent training when he gets home or Harv will have a wobble bowl when he gets home in instead because he's not being for a walk by himself. Um, but yeah, definitely trying to balance two dogs can be difficult, but there yeah. are ways to make it easier. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. So do you have any kind of i suppose tips for guardians because some of the stuff you make is like it's inspirational i just think it's so cute and it it hits that like we said before it kind of hits that person side of it like it's benefiting the dog but you yourself you get jazzed about it because it's like oh my god you know and even for yourself when you create something i'm sure you sit back and go oh, that is like i'm impressed that's cool yeah. <laughs> what i've created um, here but what would be your kind of tips out there to get people like a lot of my inspiration just comes yeah my the sort of inspiration i get is just sort of seasonal if that makes sense like <laughs> christmas stuff christmas dog enrichment is like my christmas crafts you know like yeah. that's how i get in the festive spirit making gingerbread dog licky mats was my go-to um so like that's where i get a lot of my ideas from but in yeah. terms of making it easy for myself i think prepping is key and I've had someone say it to me before they're like oh definitely like work smarter not harder and that's that's my motto in life is mm, make oh it yeah, easy for no. yourself you know prep um as people that feed kibble um we weigh at least a week's worth of food boxes out in advance so we've got like 14 tubs that's, that's a breakfast and a dinner for every day for a week mm -hmm. um 
because it means a that I've got my portion controls sorted so I'm not going to worry about weight and b that when it does come to an enrichment toy all I have to do is pick up the tub pick up the toy I'm good to go um it just seems to take some of the faff away and especially with enrichment toys I think one of the biggest problems can be overfeeding because people just get excited and throw all these ingredients in which is great but it's being aware that well this is his portion for that that meal so I've put half of that into a licky mat or I've put half of that into a kong this is the other half he can have and well actually maybe I'll put a handful back because I've given him some primula or I've given him some this Mm -hmm. I think it just makes weight control easier which is something I'm sort of really aware of especially with of having been so so big before and knowing what effect that had on him I'm just very touchy on it with Hudson um because he's like a sight hound cross um I he has to be kept sort of slim really that's his build and I don't want to cause him any trouble by making him too big I I think people underestimate when they see these especially licky mat when you see the, the classic licky mat I think you think like Oh, that must, you know, that must take lots and lots. I mean, most of the time when I create, so sometimes we do, which is one of both of the boys favorite, we'll do licky mats that have or licky wobble bowls that do um, like sardines or mackerel and some cream cheese. And that's a go-to for them. They love, love that one. It's super easy. It's super simple. But I think I probably put for both of them about a tablespoon of cream cheese. But when it's on that mat, it looks like it's a lot. And it's like, I haven't really put a lot on there. So I think sometimes yeah. it's a little alluding to see that on the mat, it looks like a lot. And it really, it really isn't. No, and we use a lot of syringes. I know it sounds a bit weird, but um, no, no. to get yeah. some of the like designs and things, mm-hmm. um, I use syringes. And that is like such an easy and simple way to measure it because I'm using the syringes anyway. And I know I've put what, like three or four mil of yogurt on it. Well, I know exactly what he's had. You know, yeah. it's so easier to control what he's eating and and what what they're taking in and, and how to sort of compensate with that with their other meals. Because a lot of the time, so like Harvey's meal size should be 150 grams of cold press. But if I'm doing him a wobble bowl, nine times out of 10, I'm going to put something on the top of it. So I only actually make 100 grams of food into paste um, to make up for the other calories because I'll put a bit of banana on it or some apple or even just sprinkle like licky mat sprinkles on it. And mm-hmm. it's so easy to just see it as, oh, it's just a little topping, but those toppings generally are quite calorie dense. Um, yeah. So you, you know, I just, I underfeed a little bit, but, you know, I think regular weighing is really important and I'm very lucky to work in a vet. So weighing my dogs all the time is really easy, but it's something to keep an eye on. And it's something that we always watch closely. We've got the PitPat app and the PitPat monitors. So we monitor all their exercise anyway. And, mm-hmm. it, and the app sort of lets us, put their weights on there so we keep close an eye on that and, and I think that really helps with balancing meal times yeah I mean if it's high value a little goes a long way really yeah I, mean, I think yeah that's where people kind of they you know they kind of layer things on or they really saturate these kind of enrichment toys with stuff that is maybe a little bit too too much and you just think but that you don't really it's not really the point the point is not to you know have a kong full of high value stuff it's kind of like you have that little bit in there that gets them excited or you know is a little bit a little bit extra um but it's a bit it's just an easy way to feed your dog and get in that mental stimulation yeah because i mean a lot of our kongs are filled just with dog food with maybe a little bit of something extra at one end you know like yeah. they're not they're like oh how do you compensate the calories but 
like 90% of my ingredients are the dog's food. I just, you know, so that mm-hmm. being on kibble, I soak it in, and hard being on the cold press, I soak it in a tub of boiling water and then I just mush it down. Like that's the easiest way to not worry. And then you are just only using small amounts, which makes your high value ingredients stay high value, especially for us with like Prebula and stuff. I like to put that on their food sometimes, but that's also my like, secret gem weapon when I'm out on a walk the primula to you know is my high value reward for coming back on a good recall and things like that so I don't want to constantly spread it over all of my toys because it's not going to be as exciting and rewarding if, if yeah. they're getting time um yeah. so yeah and I, I really like when people do sort of like the muffin tray where you put all the different ingredients down and see what your dog gravitates towards because I think it's really important to be aware of so many people are like oh dogs love chicken so they must they must all love chicken the same amount but actually some dogs would way prefer some carrot over some chicken and it sounds crazy but it's just it's like people some people way prefer a bag of crisps over a chocolate and dogs are the same and if you can sort of tap into what they actually really crave it makes such a difference in your enrichment and in your training oh yeah no totally I love telling stories like clients because we do what you described I call a taster menu and all of my new clients or puppy clients I highly recommend that they do taster menus to do and when I used to run pre-covid in my puppy classes I would bring different types of treats for them to try with their dogs and see you know does your dog prefer something like you know that's a little bit of beef or maybe a little bit of rabbit or a little bit so all these different flavors that they could try but I've had clients that the dog's um one of them loved broccoli absolutely loved broccoli um I had a dog who was a reactive dog client so reactive to other dogs and that dog worked for carrot as as her reward and you know even so much so that you know we had high value meat treats and she preferred the carrot the carrot was her her go-to even so much cheeses so I had a a puppy in one of my very first puppy classes who uh, preferred a red Leicester cheese to a, a mature cheddar. It's <laughs> like, we don't think about these things with dogs. You know, we have our own personal preferences and stuff that we like. Yeah. Um, so much as like, oh, some people don't like, you know, raw bo- broccoli, but they like cooked broccoli. It's like, it's the same for your dog. Like try all of these different things. You have so many things that are okay for dogs to try. That yeah. You can, you can add, which aren't going to, they're not going to add all those calories in. And it does, again, it doesn't need to be a lot. It just needs to be, it just needs to make it a little bit interesting. Yeah. And it's a hundred percent just a secret weapon. Like everyone jokes that, oh, you know, both your dogs have Labrador in them. So of course they love everything. I'm like, yeah, but I also know the difference between them just gobbling something because they're really little pigs and actually being like, oh, this is special. Yeah. Do you know, like this is, <laughs> this is what I need. Um, and you need to know that like how amazing is it to know exactly like what your dog's favorite thing on earth is rather than being like oh they're a dog they must love this and it's like it's like oh rabbits must love carrots I know rabbits that don't eat carrots like (laughs) there's no one size fit all people don't just love this or love that like just it's it's another way of communicating with your dog and if you know Mm -hmm. that it it helps build your relationship because you know what's you know engaging for them and and what they want to work for and also taste change, like for some dogs, you know, they might like, and just like people, you might like one thing when you're young. And then when you're a little bit older, you no longer like that thing, or you don't like it in that form or, you know, so for dogs trying something that my, my favorite is like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't like that. We tried that. And it's like, but how did you try it? You know, did you yeah. just like 
him? Did you put it on the floor? Like, was it cooked? Was it not cooked? Like, there's so many different variables to that, that you can't just be like, point blank, my dog didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I used to always be like that with Father. Like, oh, he didn't like, he doesn't like vegetables. He doesn't like fruit. And then because a lot of the stuff I tried Hudson with, because it was like enrichment toys, I wanted to keep it um, lower calorie. I was using more fruits and vegetables. But when Half saw Hudson eating it, he was like, hmm, well, actually, yeah. I might give it a go if he likes it. <laughs> And now, you know, he does enjoy a banana on his licking mat and he does enjoy a little bit of carrot, but he doesn't like it chopped. He likes it grated, mm -hmm. you know, like silly things like that, that I just didn't take the time with before because I was ignorant and sort of blanked out and went, well, he doesn't like it. And then when I started exploring more with Hudson, I was like, oh, you've been missing out on all of these things that you actually enjoyed because I didn't try it in the right way or even down to the way I blooming cut carrot. I never thought I'd have to turn around to someone and say, oh, no, no, he prefers his carrot grated rather than chopped. Like that sounds insane <laughs> for a dog but that's just person, the way he is you wouldn't even you might go oh you're a little extra but like for a person it's just like that's my you know that's my my preference so yeah everyone has preferences and our dogs have preferences it's not it's not so far-fetched that your dog no. have preference and like people can see it in toys like you can see a dog some dogs love balls some dogs love tuggy toys mm -hmm. and we like accept that but the thought of them wanting different foods we're like oh no all dogs must eat the same food <laughs> yeah I think important as well to like try things more I say to clients like try things multiple times if they do a taster menu you know yeah. do a taster menu and then maybe the next week do a taster menu with some of the the original items that your dog didn't like because I usually say like write down you know what they like what they didn't like and then try those items again to see was your dog just not in the mood for that or was it you know that it maybe didn't they just weren't you know feeling it that day so even our, our tastes and you know like we have cravings and stuff so I think one time going oh my god my dog he just he won't eat carrots he hates them and it's like but maybe he just wasn't feeling a carrot that day but another yeah. day he you know he'd prefer them I mean, if you I like it, I like some days I don't fancy vegetables either. I'm definitely exactly. having like two days of pizza day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I remember I did a, um, in the first kind of lockdown, I did some, like I did like 30 days enrichment. So I said 30 days, 30 ways. And I yeah. did a fruit platter um, because I don't really give my dogs a lot of, a lot of fruit, but I thought it would be interesting to see what like and like, because I know Nero doesn't like anything unless it's meats or cheeses. So <laughs> I know him, I know he's like fruit, no, vegetable, no. Um, but like it, I was like, oh, I'm quite interested. So we did a fruit platter and it was very interesting to see. I thought, uh, you know, he likes clementines and I never in a million years would think a dog would like a, a clementine, but he was just like, you know, very interested. So I offered it, he ate it and I went, oh, uh, okay. Uh, was that a fluke? Let's try that yeah. again. And then he ate it again and I was like, what's going on like this is so interesting and he loves them he we don't have them we probably only have them at Christmas time but he he does really really like them so it's like you get a Christmas tree I get a Christmas tree <laughs> and it's enriching you know like exploring different textures there's things I've offered the yeah. dogs before and they like move it around in their mouth like what on earth is this texture <laughs> like what and they just spit it back out and stare it on the floor like what the <laughs> hell was that like yeah this is weird um but yeah, no, I like that in itself is enrichment and it's so simple and easy and you can just find stuff in your cupboard. It's not even hard. Like you don't have to even leave your house. It's there ready for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Cool. So um, I just wanted to kind of end on a few extra questions, but 
it has been awesome chatting with you about enrichment and learning about your dogs and you and, and everything. And I'm just, I'm a little like, oh, we have, we have some similarities that didn't, didn't actually occur to me before. So thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun to chat with someone that's got the same ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So I, I just have a couple of like fun, fun questions and don't think about them too much. Um, just kind of the first thing that, that comes to your, your mind. But if, um, if you were a dog, what breed of dog would you be? I'd say a Harvey because I don't think <laughs> if I say blanket Labrador, I do not have the energy of a young Labrador at all. I have the energy of a senior old Labrador, just have to lay in their bed, be fed food and have an easy life. Like I'm a Harvey, he's my spirit animal for sure. <laughs> we have a new, a new breed, the Harvey. Breed. I like he it. Is, you know, he's one in a million. He's, he's his own thing. You know, he takes life as it comes. He doesn't really care about being too social. He just wants to be in bed. <laughs> and that's me, you know, I love food. I love, I love sleeping. <laughs> they do we say like what thing. is it you, you your dogs start to resemble you or vice versa <laughs> yeah maybe he's been the one training me all along and and I actually haven't taught him anything he's just been teaching me to be lazy and old <laughs> we can learn from each other <laughs> definitely um so have you read any good books lately I have just started a book um because I'm doing my level four behavior diploma it came with like a um a reading list mm -hmm. so um, very on topic, but I've been reading um, In the Defense of Dogs by nice. John Bradshaw. Yeah, no, that's a good one. How um, far are you into it? I'm only like the first couple of chapters in, but it was like yeah. such a, oh my God, this this guy is making sense. Like just talking about how, how we, the expectations we have of dogs has changed. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, gee whiz, like Hudson seems to be living such a very structured life compared to a dog however many years ago, uh, but I'm just really enjoying it at the minute. And very on topic as well <laughs> awesome yeah no that's good um so what do you hope to achieve for dogs with the work that you do I think my sort of my wish is more of an achievement for dogs and their owners because I just want everyone to have the same relationship and I've been in that place where I almost wanted to take Hudson back to the rescue center and say I've made a mistake please take him back and I see it every day when people come in, you know, I do a lot of like second vaccine consults for people mm -hmm. and they come in with a puppy and I'm like, how are you getting on at home? And they're like, oh, <laughs> my yeah. whole life has been flipped upside down and I don't know if it's the right decision. And if I can just show people that it is worth the wait, you know, having had my first puppy and he's just turned a year old, it was so worth all of the trouble and how much enrichment can help and can just make you feel like you've got your stuff together and that you're doing things and you can build a relationship through it. That's why I want everyone to have, like, I want everyone to be able to feel about their dog the same way I feel about my dogs, because you can't explain it. Like people say that having kids is, is a different feeling. And in a way, like, that's how I look at my dogs is I just look at them and I love them unconditionally. And even on bad days when Hudson's trying to chase a jogger down the road or something stupid, <laughs> like I love him unconditionally because we just built this relationship and, a lot of it is through food, but, you know, through this enrichment, I feel like I know them. I feel like I know them as people because they can tell you what he likes. I can tell you what he doesn't like. And I think if everyone can have that same relationship with their dog, everyone can be happy owners and dogs. And like, that's all I really want. Yeah. I just got a little misty eyed. I have to be honest. Like, 
<laughs> because I think that's also kind of what I what I aim for as well. So when you were talking, I was like, yes, yes, like yeah. this. I think it's just with our backgrounds. Like I work for a vet that works for a rescue centre, and so when the dogs come up to be neutered before being rehomed, you see all that paperwork of oh well, I um there was one a little while ago, a fourteen year old dog given up because it had separation anxiety, and you just think oh my god like why would you do that to your dog and yeah. you just think if I could have just given you the way I love Harv you know when he's getting older and I'm having to carry him out to the you know carry him up the stairs sometimes when his back goes a little bit but I'd do it I'd do it forever if I had to because I love him unconditionally and I, I just want everyone to feel that same way with their dog and and help them build that relationship yeah so that no, no one does feel that you know there are always going to be reasons to give up your dog unfortunately like things change but to get rid of just the silly excuses and the silly reasons and just show people that your dog wants to be on your side and you need to be on your dog's side you know you need to be the advocate and if you can build a good relationship you've you've got that and we can reduce how many dogs are in rescue no i completely i mean i'm gonna admit you know with with like and i did have we had serious talks both both my boyfriend and i about can i can i give him what he needs am i Am I the person for him? Is this the right decision? Am I being selfish by, you know, trying and trying? Because there was a period of time where we did think, you know, it was kind of like a, a roller coaster. It was like good days and bad days and good days and bad days. And the bad days were just not, I felt like I wasn't, everything I was doing, I wasn't meeting his needs. So yeah, I there have been times where I have thought, is this, the, am I the right person for him? Like, is this yeah. the right decision? And it's, so when people get frustrated with their dogs, I have a whole new appreciation. Like, and he has given that to me. Not having that experience with him, I can understand, but I wouldn't be able to understand from a personal level. Like, yeah. and that is just, it's like a whole nother dimension to me, both as, as a person, but also professionally. And so when people, you know, contemplate those kind of things or they feel that frustration or they lose their cool a little bit, it's like we're we're humans. Like, you know, yeah. we try, we try, we we do everything that we can. But at the end of the day, we're human. And, you know, if we can talk about these kind of things, if we can normalize these kind of things, it just you know, because I think people sometimes look at like my dogs or what, even when I'm out, they are very good. And I'm, you know, we've come to an amazing place and Lycan is a, a such an amazing dog, but people see me and they're out, I'm out with my dogs and they're like, oh, your dogs are so good. And, you know, one person was like, how do you get them to come back to you? And I was like, uh, I train them, like, <laughs> I give them, yeah. like, you know, so I think people get a snapshot sometimes of people when they're out with their dogs or dogs who, you know, people have dogs who are a little bit more challenging or the relationship is challenging and they go, why can't my dog walk nicely like that dog, you know, or, or why can't my dog come back to me like, like your dog does? And it's like, but I've had a relationship where things have been stressful and have, have been really emotionally challenging for me. You're seeing a snapshot. You're yeah. Five seconds between me and my dog or a minute between me and my dog. Um, yeah and I think especially with social media like I love it for my enriching pause page but seeing my dogs on social media they look perfect and mm. yet I could have just got back from a walk where Hudson didn't re recall away from a dog properly and I had to apologize to the owner or you know something silly even though his recall's been perfect for weeks yeah. but you don't share that because no one wants to com confess to that like the fact that I've been going to enclosed fields 
it's because we've been having problems but i'm never like no one advertises that part no one goes oh yeah my dog sometimes doesn't come back because he's a teenager and thinks he knows better than i do you know and you just work through it and i think people end up feeling alone with it and you shouldn't you shouldn't feel alone you should everyone's been there i've had times even harvey my perfect dog has done something silly and i've been like why why did you do that like you're the perfect dog and he's like meh just having an off day and it it just needs to become more normal like that is it's okay to it's it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to not be perfect (laughs) like your dog doesn't have to be perfect 100% of the time and just because it's not doesn't mean that you're not doing the right thing because I can pour hours into Hudson and I spent you know this morning we spent a whole hour at the field doing recall and and fetch and just you know like trick training but that doesn't mean he's gonna the next day do everything perfectly and that's fine because we're learning together and and that's okay <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely agree we have to we have to normally I know for me in my profession if somebody I did feel that pressure before like if somebody would see me with my dog and my dog wasn't acting perfect it would be like well that's a reflection of me and my skills and my yeah. you know my line of work and it's like but it isn't because if my dog, if my dog was acting completely perfect and doing everything when I said so, that to me, there's something wrong with, that's a red flag to me. If I see people out and the dog's like, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? And is is this okay? I'm like, let the dog be a dog. It's (laughs) almost like a sign of anxiety, isn't it? Like that need to please all the time. Yes. But what makes dogs dogs is the fact that sometimes they can be a goofball and sometimes they can just do the most ridiculous thing or, you know, react to something just really ridiculously. Like Hudson didn't like a, a bunny on the telly the other day. And you just think, he was such a nutcase. Like, why would you, you've been watching this telly all evening, but a bunny goes across the screen and suddenly you lose your mind. How ridiculous. <laughs> but they're the bits that make you laugh as well. And that's why you have dogs is they make you laugh. They make you happy. They make you want to pull your hair out and they make you want to cry. But 99% of the time, it's it's good and it's positive yeah no and I, even when I like to say to the you know the dogs I work with that maybe are like dog reactive and stuff it's like sometimes these reactions they last for seconds but they feel like yeah. and your whole day is ruined you're just like oh yeah. you know I can't believe you did that but that's like it's such a blip on so many amazing things and when you discount the great, you know, day that you had or the day before that you had just for um, a few moments in time, like it, it can be so like emotionally exhausting. And we just, we don't need to put that kind of pressure on ourselves. No, and just don't beat yourself up about it. Like yeah. even police dogs have off days, like no one's perfect. No Everyone one's makes perfect. mistakes and it's fine. It's what makes yeah. you human. Yeah, totally. Oh, I said, don't think about these questions. <laughs> these are light questions we're just not gonna think about them just answer them we'll limit and I I blame you because you made me teary-eyed so I was getting a little bit emotional we've started a whole nother podcast we might as well do like an inspiration podcast now (laughs) like oh no I mean I could talk about that for forever really because I feel like a lot of that I do I think some people misunderstand like to be in dog behavior at least with you know with guardians and working one-to-one with people you do a lot of people coaching like I give so much to my clients both you know the ones with fur and the ones with without fur like you you know having the knowledge that you have and being able to 
to tell people sometimes, even I've told people like, you know what, just if it makes you feel better, this is not the worst dog I've seen. Like, you know, people can feel so like oppressed by the the dog's behavior and think, oh God, it's so awful. It's so awful. And it's like, this isn't the, the worst dog I've seen. Like it, <laughs> this, your dog is, you know, yes, there's some things to work on there, but there are lots and, and there always are. I always say to people that try to convince me, cause they'll say like, oh, he does this and he does that. But like, you never have to convince me that your dog isn't amazing because yeah. your dog is amazing. He may have some, you know, behavior concerns. There might be things that you want to work on, but that does not make your dog bad in any sense. And I do not look at that as a, a negative at all. I look at it as we have something we can work on here and we can improve this relationship, but never have I met a dog that's bad, not a no. single one. And I, that, that's all in a way is the difference between Hudson and Harvey for me. It's like me and Harvey have a special bond because he's my first dog, but me and Hudson have a different bond because we've been learning and muddling through things together and that having to learn how to overcome things and learning how to stop your dog chasing joggers or recently he barked and lunged at a lady carrying an umbrella in the rain in the dark like <laughs> I never knew how to deal with that before but we're learning about it together and he's teaching me so much yeah. but that's what makes our bond special and like if you have a reactive dog or if you have a, a you know quote bad dog or you've been told you've got a bad dog see it as a positive because you're going to have an even stronger relationship because you and your dog are learning together and that forms a greater bond I think yeah and also don't let people get you down. Don't let people tell you about you and your dog. Like, do not let people do. I cannot stand that. I've had people, you know, who's walking who or, you know, that dog. The one that was classic to me was um, I was out and Lycan hasn't really had a lot of experience in busy, like city centers because it's not, we don't yeah. go there. That's not what I do with my dogs. No. But I thought this was obviously pre-COVID, but I thought, let's spend a little time working on this. You know, we're just going to go to a cafe. Um, we're going to stay there for like 10, 15 minutes. We're just going to do a little walk around the city center. And he was actually doing really well, but I don't make my walks, my dogs walk to heel. Like my dogs walk on a loose lead so that they could be pretty much anywhere, but he was sniffing and he was doing quite well. And he was, you know, we were doing engage and disengage and he was doing fabulous. And as I was leaving, I was just going back to my car and a lady, a random lady just said to me, that dog's not under control. And I thought, hold on a second. Number one, who are you? And number two, yes, he is like, yeah. Number three, what is this control? Like, what is this aspect? I mean, I just like it, just that simple comment to me, I laughed it off to her, but I just went, what? Like, what, what about this, you know, very simple exchange that you watching me with my dog for a few seconds made you feel like you had to comment that to me. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I just thought, that was the first time I think it's actually happened to me, especially with like him where somebody has actually said something like that. So that for me was like a whole big, I wrote a blog, um, I wrote a Facebook post about it and it's <laughs> such a great, it's great thing sometimes to vent on there, but, um, but it does stick with you and people don't realize the harm that words can do. Yes. Cause I've had someone turn around to me and go, Oh, do you not think you maybe need a trainer for him? And you think <laughs> I spend all of my free time training him. Like, 
it's what I do. Our walks are training, our feeding time is training. And for someone to turn around and do that, it's like such a slap in the face. And you're like, he's just having an off moment or we're just in a very distracting place. Like give him a minute, just let him, like let us just relax into it. Yeah. And then afterwards they were like, oh no, you have made progress. And you're like, yeah, but it's baby steps. Like don't expect miracles. He's one year old. He isn't perfect and that's fine. Like yeah. <laughs> stop having such big expectations. But I think for me, looking like I looked at it, you know, I can, I like to look at things objectively as well, even for myself, like even if I feel emotional about it, I'll look at it objectively. And that situation, I looked at it object, objectively. And the only thing I could think of was he wasn't walking to heal and he was sniffing things and he was a little bit away from me. And that's the only thing I could think of that she would look at that situation and go, he's not under control. And mm. I think also the well, the, you know, he's a big black German shepherd. So I suppose he should be at my, you know, heel looking longingly at me at every single movement I do for some. Like all the dogs are babies. <laughs> exactly. That's what he, that's what a dog who's under control looks like. So I think for me, yeah, when I looked at it objectively, I just, it even more, like if my brain doesn't make sense of things, I find it very stressful. So like mm. me going, what was she, what was the problem? Like, I don't know. I look at that and go, oh, but, and it was just, yeah, I just went off on like a, a whole big kind of tangent about it. And, you know, I even, I even text like some friends and was like, this just happened. Like, I'm, I don't understand. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why was she saying that? And, you know, one of my friends just said like, some people just like judging, like they just yeah. like, they can't help themselves. So yeah, I always say to people when, you know, when you do get comments and stuff, like if you can do it better, come and do it. Like come yeah. over here and do it because obviously you're an expert. I don't know why my client isn't paying you or, you know, I don't know why I don't hire you. Are you working? Could you, have you done? Oh, you're not <laughs> educated in dog behavior. Oh, okay. Well, wow. You really should be because you're a natural, like just don't let people don't let people get you down. <laughs> Definitely. Um, right. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop this train. <laughs> I can talk about this all night, but yeah, maybe we could do a part two. We could do a part two about, you know, the, the relationship we have with dogs and things people have said to us and yeah, that why they're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and then our, our reaction both in our head and what we said back to them. Um, that'd be a great, <laughs> be a great show. Although I have to, I might have to put the explicit warning on that one. Yeah, I mean, working in veterinary, I'm sure you're fully aware that you get some cracking quotes from people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh goodness. I think that's, yeah, that's what me, that's what makes it interesting, especially in veterinary. You're just like, why are you, what's going on here? It does. I loved it. I used to do 12 hour days and they would fly by. Like they would just, between surgeries and consultations, it would just, it would fly by. I did never really, 12 hour days to me didn't feel like 12 hour days. <laughs> yeah no definitely goes you, you're always on your feet and you're always doing something and yeah. if you're doing something you love you love as well it, it does just fly by no totally right okay yeah we will put a pause we'll put a stop around that conversation <laughs> um I swear the last two questions are very very lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna I might I might you know admit that question from um like future future kind of guests um okay so um what is your ultimate guilty pleasure oh that's a hard one <laughs> um oh cheesy musicals I think I oh, listen really? 
to musicals in the car, I'm like awful at having the Hamilton soundtrack or like the Grease soundtrack playing in my car and singing <laughs> along on my way to work. Yeah. Um, but when you've had a stressful day, there's nothing quite like singing along to a musical in your car to just chill you out. Yeah. I love um, Defying Gravity by Wicked. I know yeah. the whole entire, uh, nothing is better than like, you know, singing that in the car kind of full full volume. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, I, I have to apologize to the dogs as well because they're usually in the car with me and they're hearing how they have still got hearing. I do not know because I cannot <laughs> sing. Um, and they, that's that's maybe a form of torture. Please don't call the RSPCA on me. <laughs> no, I forced them to listen to me in the car. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay. And finally, does pineapple belong on pizza? 100% yes. No hesitation. Oh, you know, I've only done two. You're my second that I've, that I've interviewed. And, you know, it's 100%. 100% of people that I have surveyed have said pineapple belongs on pizza. The people um, have spoken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Case closed. No more. Two. Um, it's one of my favorite flavors. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know why this is such a such a big deal, but I love pineapple and pizza. I think it's amazing. Pineapple and mushrooms sometimes are nice as well, but I'm just weird. <laughs> we could do a recipe page as well about recipes for pineapple. <laughs> yeah, recipes for pizza. Strange things that go on pizza and what people say to you when you're out with your dog. It'd be great. <laughs> so many options for future podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah completely and my listeners will go down no <laughs> right so thank you again so much for coming on the show um do you want to let people know where they can find you do you have like social media pages where, where yeah so um at the minute we've got our instagram page which is just enriching pause um and i have just bought the domain for the website so we're putting together enrichingpause.com um which i'm hoping will be like an even bigger resource um center for like recipes reviews um and maybe a bit more easier to navigate than instagram um, but that's mm -hmm. definitely a work in progress but hopefully it'll be up soon cool that is awesome right so again thank you so much and thank you so um, much for having me yeah i mean i'm a <laughs> we'll we'll talk about the part two <laughs> yeah Right. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me here at the Dog Logical Podcast. I hope that you had a great time listening to this episode and learned a little bit along the way. Don't forget, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Thanks again, guys, and see you next time. Mm -hmm.